Yeah, and, and Nick, I'll say that you you and your colleagues at Global Minnesota and our colleagues across the country that work on these programs uh, are the magic. Um, you're the reason why uh, these relationships are built because you're humanizing the United States. You're, um, you're showing what like, everyday life is like and how accessible our democracy is, um, but also the, the diversity of our culture and of our people. Welcome to the Global Minnesota Podcast, connecting, informing, and engaging Minnesota with the world. Our mission is to advance international understanding and engagement in every corner of the state. We do this with a variety of programs, including our public events, K-12 education programs, great decisions discussion groups, and professional exchanges. To learn more, visit our website at globalminnesota.org. I'm Nicholas Hayen, Marketing and Communications Manager for Global Minnesota. Global Minnesota's Professional Exchanges Program brings the world to Minnesota by connecting international visitors from all over the globe with their professional counterparts throughout the state. In these visits, emerging leaders from a wide range of backgrounds, including civil service, nonprofits, corporations, government, and more, are selected to visit the United States. When they arrive in Minnesota, Global Minnesota sets up meetings with professionals in their field to exchange best practices. This past year, we coordinated meetings with over 300 international visitors from over 100 different countries. Most, but not necessarily all, of these visits are part of the U.S. State Department's International Visitor Leadership Program. One of the most important organizations that helps facilitate this process is called Global Ties U.S. On today's episode, we are honored to welcome Catherine A. Brown, President and CEO of Global Ties U.S., to share more about their work with the National Global Ties Network including their upcoming National Meeting and Advocacy Day in early March, as well as Citizen Diplomacy Day on February 16th, and how these professional exchange programs benefit communities throughout the United States and around the world. So, Catherine, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I am thrilled to be here. Great. So first, could you just tell us a bit more about yourself and the work of Global Ties U.S.? Yeah, of course. So I have been in this role for six years. I came to it in April of 2018 from Facebook, actually, where I had been working on uh, trust around information on the platform and how to build community on the platform. So it was really wonderful to be able to come to Global Ties US and the Global Ties Network, where I knew community was being built every day um, here at home and our member organizations across the country, but also this global community that's built through international exchange programs. I I spent a lot of my career uh, working on what's referred to as public diplomacy, how diplomacy engages uh, citizens around the world to deepen understanding amongst one another and just with the basic idea that we are stronger when our relationship, our alliances are stronger when our relationships are stronger, when we know one another, when we can build that empathy and that trust. And so I spent years at the State Department um, looking at the effectiveness of these exchange programs, working on Capitol Hill, looking at which programs uh, were really boosting our national security um, policies, and fell in love with the International Visitor Leadership Program and was extraordinarily impressed with the, the efficiency of this network to not only um, transform views of global leaders about what the United States is and what our democracy is, but also simultaneously to build greater community at home by including their communities in those exchanges. 
So that is what we do at Global Ties. We're the national leader for connecting people in communities in the U.S. with global leaders through these programs. And our work advances U.S. strategic priorities abroad and also boosts prosperity here at home. And it's based on this principle that we want to harness the diplomatic potential of our greatest asset, which is our people. Absolutely. And there's so many of these great, interesting meetings that happen as a result of, of these professional exchanges. Um, just a quick question on um, the differences between all these organizations. So you're the national Global Ties uh, yeah. US, but there are um, lots of organizations that kind of are, are affiliated organizations, some that just do standalone uh, international exchanges and others like Global Minnesota that do a variety of things, including international professional exchanges. Is that correct? That's right. Our member organizations, there are nearly 80 that are across the country in rural communities, mid-sized cities, larger cities, and they all are focused on being local hubs for global issues. So some of our member organizations have multiple lines of activity, like Global Minnesota. There's so much you have going on both as you know, a World Affairs Council member and doing really important informational programs with your community about what's happening in the world to actually engaging the world through international exchange programs, uh, youth education, I know you do WorldQuest um, and in getting the, the university community you know, engaged in international affairs. So, so there's different organizations that have different levels of capacity. What brings the Global Ties Network together is this program, the International Visitor Leadership Program, which is the original international exchange program that the State Department created in 1940. It was created um, as part of FDR's good neighbor policy with this simple yet enduring idea that if we're gonna know global leaders and develop a relationship with them, um, especially the Western hemisphere at the time, we had to make sure that when they came to Washington, they or came to the United States, they got out of Washington as soon as possible and actually got into our communities. That the best ambassadors and representatives of our democracy are our people and our community and our civic leaders. So the network was created about 20 years after IBLP was in motion to provide that infrastructure for that program. So to be a member of Global Ties US, you need to be an implementer of the International Visitor Leadership Program. But we see that as being seed funding for multiple ways that you can then engage your community globally. So so Global Minnesota is an incredible leader in the network and we're really uh, we really look up to all the different lines of activity you have going on year round. Thank you. It's a lot to talk about all the various programs. It is. It is. Um, so how how do these professional exchange how does that process work with professional exchanges and how specifically does it meet those objectives of the State Department? You know, there's what what is the role the State Department has, Global Ties US organizations like Global Minnesota, you know, how does that all kind of factor in? Yes. So the, the one of the reasons why the International Visitor Leadership Program, even though it's 84 years old, is so evergreen and is, is because it's incredibly flexible to supporting strategic objectives of the State Department and objectives that are specifically tied to the United States' national security strategy. So we're able, the State Department is able to build programs um, and the, you know, around themes that are really critical, like things like mitigating climate change, um, securing democracy, fighting disinformation, really feeding and nurturing our alliances around around critical issues um, that that keep us safer. So, 
So the State Department is able to identify what should the themes for the programs be, what are the kinds of global professionals and leaders we're looking to engage and develop relationships with. And then the states, you know, our embassies overseas get certain quotas of how many global leaders they can send on certain programs. And it affords our, our diplomats at post, as they say, a chance to build relationships and to give some critical knowledge to 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 people that they think are going to move the ball forward in in a certain field. It could be scientists, they could be investigative journalists, they could be the next head of state. Um, often they are. More than five hundred current and former heads of state have been on this program, and so so the reason why it's it's still so enduring is because it is so flexible. It does meet the needs of the time, but the premise is just timeless. It's it's really to bring these global leaders to the United States, uh, help them build a professional network in the United States with their peers, but also help them see the United States in technicolor in a way that they likely wouldn't if they were consuming our media um, or maybe even coming here as tourists. So uh, so that is that is the key. That is that is how professional exchanges work. International Visitor Leadership Program is the original. There are several other programs that are meant to be responsive to different markets and different needs as well. And um, but usually it is it is because our embassies are identifying up and coming talent, and they want them to build a relationship with the United States. And the best way to do that is to give them experience to do so. Yeah, and I think it's really exciting from uh, the Global Minnesota side of things where uh, the State Department and Global Ties, you're bringing these individuals to the United States. And then where these community-based uh, members, as they're called, comes in is uh, we we sort of facilitate that ground itinerary while they're in, you know, say, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the really exciting groups that we've had in the past, um, a lot of groups with like uh, professional uh, emerging young leaders. So we recently had a group of emerging leaders uh, from Europe and took them to um, the state capital to actually meet with uh, elected representatives there as well. Um, and then lots of other programs with um, you know young entrepreneurs, social entrepreneurs, those who are involved in uh, community justice, things like that. So like you say, a whole host of, of different um, topics and subject areas that people are br- drawn to and then um, work with on the ground for professional exchange. Yeah, and, and Nick, I'll say that you you and your colleagues at Global Minnesota and our colleagues across the country that work on these programs uh, are the magic. Um, you're the reason why uh, these relationships are built because you're humanizing the United States. You're um, you're showing what like everyday life is like and how accessible our democracy is, um, but also the the diversity of our culture and of our people. Um, when our visitors and our leaders come and have like dinner diplomacy experiences and meet with your volunteers, they see how similar, you know, we all are. And, um, you know, you can't help but build that empathy. And I think what, what I really love about this network and this work is not just the impact that has on our global leaders when they return back to their countries, it's the longstanding impact that it has in our communities and our cities here at home as well. Um, it, we we need to have more people in the United States engaged globally, and you can do that from your own cities. Exactly. So one of the other things that your organization is involved with is these Diplomacy Begins Here summits. Um, so I personally had a great experience in Kansas City at uh, one last year, 
but tell me a little bit more about these Diplomacy Begins Here summits. You know, how can members of the public attend these meetings and what can they learn by participating? I love that question. So Diplomacy Begins Here summits are based on the concept that diplomacy begins with all of us. Um, this is about how we treat one another, uh, you know, not just internationally with our alliances, what official diplomacy is, but also how the respect and deference that we give to each other here at home. And in that we want to show that diplomacy is accessible, that you can engage in this work from your cities, that it begins, it begins here with all of us. So the summits uh, specifically are meant um, for members of our, our network uh, to showcase their cities, but also to bring in their communities, bring in people that may not know about all the different touch points and ways that you can engage globally um, in their cities and to talk about issues that might seem to be foreign, but are really affecting us here at home. And, and so what we, so every year we have two member organizations sign up to host uh, last year and where it was great to have you with us in Kansas City, Global Ties KC uh, hosted and so did the Vermont Council on World Affairs in Burlington. And they we had one day where they they built programming, some with State Department experts um, and interacting with local experts on various global issues and, and really was able to give us a more local perspective and had our our official diplomats from the State Department learn about that local perspective. So in Vermont, uh, we focused on building diverse coalitions to mitigate climate change. And it was incredibly eye-opening to talk about, you know, the impacts on the rural community in Vermont about climate change and about the um, the IRA, Infrastructure Act, um, the Biden administration and the ways that that was impacting people within Vermont. In KC, we talked about subnational diplomacy or city and state diplomacy and the ways in which the State Department is trying to rethink how they engage civic leaders across the country and how um, getting, getting that feedback from civic leaders and foundation leaders in Kansas City about how they could be more effective in that work. In San Diego, we had to put a pause on these summits, obviously, because of, of the COVID pandemic. Um, but before COVID, we had uh, we had a, a really great Diplomacy Begins Here Summit in San Diego talking about cr cross-border issues and, and able to bring in civic leaders from Tijuana across the border to talk about, you know, these things that are really local and really personal and intimate, but are in fact, you know, global, tough policy positions as well. So um, so that is the point of the summits. We love it when people come. We don't know yet that aren't normally part of the network um, so they can become part of the network. Uh, we, uh, we don't know yet where they're going to be in 2024, uh, but we will be promoting them widely, you know, large, widely. And we hope that Global Minnesota will help us, um, not only because we want to include the members of that community where the city is hosting, but also would love to have regional, um, you know, fellow, fellow citizens, people in the United States coming, coming to those events as well and learning about how they can become more engaged. Absolutely. We're definitely happy to help promote, um, wherever these are being held in 2024. Um, I think yeah. it's, it's just such a phenomenal experience. Um, especially in Kansas city, I really liked how with the theme being how, you know, foreign policy really starts at the heartland, you know, it begins mm -hmm. here. Um, I, I learned quite a bit about how to tell the story of these global visits at a local level and the, the local impacts of that. Um, 
So I guess, speaking of which, you know, what are some of those local benefits that these exchange programs provide? What is that return on investment that communities get? Yeah, that's great. And thanks, Nick, for reminding me that it was foreign policy from the heartland, um, because I think that what the Global Ties KC team did really beautifully is show at how much things like economic policy and trade how much of that is really driven by the heartland, you know, with with um, with our agricultural industry, and so how important it is to have to be inclusive and in, about and um, thinking about how how different policies are going to affect us here at home and affect our economy. So to that end, there's a huge economic impact here in the United States um, by doing these international exchange programs. You may know this; um, your listeners may not know this that. The international affairs budget is a very small part of the federal budget, minuscule. It's, you know, one to 2%, I believe, or maybe, but it's less than, definitely less than 10. Yeah. Maybe less, less than, less than 1% is what uh, I often, I often hear. Less than, yeah. And when you, um, so it's very, very small. We don't give a ton of money overseas in aid. Um, and there's a big misperception um, that we do in the United States. And then when you do think about the amount of money that we're spending, a lot of people don't in the United States don't think that they think that money is just being spent on people abroad, when really a lot of the international affairs budget and definitely a significant part of the educational cultural exchange budget that that funds our work within the international affairs budget is spent and you know, has an impact here in the United States. So there is a very small, um, it's about less than $800,000, uh, 800, sorry, $800 million, not 800,000, um, that, um, that goes towards official international exchange, public diplomacy work. More than 90% of that impacts the U.S. economy and is spent inside the United States. For the work that our network does in particular, for every federal dollar that they receive or you receive at Global Minnesota, there is an eight times return on investment for that. So um, we passed through last year $10.4 million in federal funding to the network, um, to more than 80 community-based member organizations. And they generated $80 million for the American economy because when global leaders come here, they stay in our hotels. They take our ground transportation. They have meals and catering costs. They spend money. They they buy souvenirs and clothes and things to bring back to their countries. So it's it's really remarkable that it's not just that this money is so under resourced. The funding that we have for this work, but you could, you think about the the return that it has and the impact that it has here in American economy is absolutely remarkable. We tried to do a few years ago, and we're really happy to have some data points now, is that we wanted to take a look at beyond that economic data point, what is the full kind of 360 impact um, of this work within the United States, within our cities and our communities. So we set out to create a methodology with our partners at the University of Southern California and their Center of Public Diplomacy to understand the sociocultural impact we know that there is scores of volunteers that all of our member organizations, our exchange professionals we work with rely on to make this program work. Um, if we want global leaders to understand the United States better and to learn some things about their field that they can return to the United States, um, sorry, return when they leave the United States, they we have to rely on 
subject matter experts and we call resources and we have to rely on volunteers to host and, and welcome these global leaders into their home for dinners. And so across the country last year, there were more than 15,600 volunteers who were engaged and they gave more than 190,000 hours of service. And we wanted to know amongst those volunteers, what did you get out of this? And you know why, why do you do this work and how did this impact you? And what we found was through our, our data is that, that their engagement in these programs helped to boost global knowledge, skills and connections for um, their communities. More than 80% of them said that they learned more about international affairs. 66% said they learned new skills to help them do their job better. 58% believe these programs improve their ability to attract international investment because it's peer learning for them as well. They're learning something from these, these visitors. It's an exchange of knowledge that's really critical for them. And the last thing I would say too is that it has this incredible like civic you know, engagement investment in the sense that 79% of these volunteers um, said that they appreciate more different cultural groups in their in their own communities. They they have more empathy and understanding for um for others. And the 58% they're said they're more likely to become more engaged with a local community issue. Um, you know, that giving back begets more giving. Um, it sparks more curiosity and it wants people, you know, it it encourages people to become more engaged. So so really this this work that we're doing throughout the network that you're doing global minnesota has incredible incredible impact um in your communities and your cities and is not just you know supporting um these relationships with these global leaders who are going to remember these experiences these transforming experiences they had inside the united states yeah exactly it's and it's not just like you said the uh, eight to one return on investment dollar wise it's those intangibles that mm -hmm. uh, we really can't even put a price on um i i just think of all the groups that visit um uh minnesota organizations like, like excel energy where we have yeah. um, you know green energy groups coming to meet with them and then they go back home and actually apply some of that knowledge you know it's it's bringing not just uh prosperity to the united states but to um to the world abroad as well I would assume that. So in March, you'll be hosting that uh, national meeting and advocacy day where people from all over the country are going to go um, and all over the Global Ties Network will be advocating for programs like the International Visitor Leadership Program. So what messages do you plan to share with leaders on Capitol Hill about the importance of these programs? I imagine some of this return on investment is going to be part of it. That's a huge, huge part of it. Uh, the the one of the superpowers of this network is that they are constituents. Uh, I I think that this network really is one of the core constituencies of the State Department. Um, in the sense that they're receiving subgrant funding to support our diplomats, and and they're able to show it and and talk about you know um, that impact whether it's the data that we have or those million touch points, you know, that are, they're transformative to people and their worldviews. So they're able to talk about why this funding that is so minuscule, um, you know, has this outsized impact in the country. And something that I, as a former Hill staffer myself, you know, something that, that I am incredibly impressed by with this network is that, you know, it's, it's really important to have our advocacy day and to have everyone here 
um, on the hill. But what happens year round at home is 10 times more important. When um, when I visit our member organizations, I was just in Arizona two, two weeks ago, you know, being able to have those meetings um, with Senate offices and House offices at the state and district level is incredibly meaningful. What's more important is when we can find ways to engage members of Congress and their staffs, like in the exchange activities themselves, when they can meet and build relationships um, and see who these global leaders are and and um, really, you know, humanize from themselves what foreign policy looks like. Um, that's really critical. So I love Advocacy Day, but I'm also very cognizant that Advocacy Day in Washington is really only successful because of the year-round advocacy work that happens in our cities across the country. And so a lot of the points we're going to be talking about is what I just shared, right? That economic impact, the um, the sociocultural impact, the impact of how um, this develops our work, you know, this our workforce, how it supports international connections um, for our cities, but then also how this really does strengthen our democracy and our communities at home because of the civic engagement piece. It's not just those those dollars and cents, the statistics, which are really helpful, but it's the stories, the really yeah. personal stories of connection that can really drive home the importance of this of this particular program. So, um, yeah, I'll right. be excited to uh, to see what happens there. Yeah, so it, then, and we're really we're excited too because we're going to have some alum alumni of the program and some former uh, ambassadors, retired ambassadors up there in Advocacy Day too, talking about you know, the impact 360, what that looks like from the international level, from the chief admission level um, and, and the community level as well. So then what is Citizen Diplomacy Day? It's happening on February 16th. So yes. tomorrow when this airs, uh, how can we all become better citizen diplomats? I love that question. So yes, yeah, Citizen Diplomacy Day was created in 2011 to honor the 50th anniversary of this network, the unique role of our citizen diplomats, but really uh, to recognize that, that again, our greatest soft power asset in the United States is our people and that there is a place for them um, in this work. We define citizen diplomacy as the right, even the responsibility of citizens to be engaged in foreign policy and foreign affairs, to learn about it, but also to participate in it. And so it's a celebration of that. It's to call attention to this, this incredible impact that I just outlined and to really um, ensure that, uh, that, that that's recognized and celebrated. Um, we, we love having that as a punctuation mark in our year. Um, and it's it's also like a great opportunity um, to rally um, communities around. We uh, we are going to be celebrating it and talking about it virtually, um, and and sending notices to our our colleagues on the hill to you know to thank them for recognizing this day. Uh, and we also hope that increasingly as time goes on, that this is something celebrated at the state and city level, um, that it's an opportunity to engage state governments, city governments. We know that our colleagues in Salt Lake City, Utah Global Diplomacy, are doing an event um, around this. So it's a really wonderful opportunity to, to celebrate and talk about more and more of our citizens becoming engaged in foreign affairs, learning about the world, but also learning about how what happens abroad affects us at home and how they can do something about it. 
definitely. And that's really kind of how Global Minnesota was founded, was that, you know, diplomacy isn't just the purview of diplomats. It, it is something that we all can engage in and should engage in to help build a better, more connected world. Absolutely. Well, then related to that, how can people get more involved with and support the work of Global Ties US and specifically their local community-based members like Global Minnesota? I love that question. Well, first, first of all, uh, you, if you're not listening in Minnesota, you can go to our website, globaltiesus.org, go to our network, you'll see our network map, and you'll see a list of all of our member organizations around the country. So you can contact them and see the best way to get involved. Um, once you're in touch with them, we can imagine, I, I can I can share with you what I imagine will be the the ways to get involved. They're constantly looking for volunteers and um, home hospitality hosts. Home hospitality, we also call dinner diplomacy. It means bringing in global leaders and sharing a meal with them. Um, it doesn't mean necessarily that you have to host a very fancy dinner party. Um, there, it can look very different depending on where you are and what the needs are. But just that you're gonna, you're willing to engage in conversation and be open and, and you will learn something as a result, you'll build relationships, you'll learn, you'll gain a new perspective on an issue. And so that is usually, I think something that is much needed. Sometimes our, uh, our members also need, um, homestay hosts. They might have a program where they need people to stay in a home. Um, so, so they, they constantly need volunteers for that. And that's a really wonderful enriching experience. It's also, you can be a professional resource or subject matter expert. So if you are an environmental professional, someone who works on, you know, climate mitigation um, or working on protecting the environment, if you're someone who works in the tech industry, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're an educator, uh, I mean, there, there are so many different professional uh, areas of expertise that, that we need to engage with these global leaders. And so you can be a resource um, and you can learn and engage from those global leaders as well. So another way to get involved is that something that Global Ties US does, we work with the Office of Alumni Affairs at the State Department to make sure that people who have had an experience going abroad uh, with the support of the US government, so that could be that you did the Fulbright program, that you did a critical language scholarship, or you were a Peace Corps volunteer. Um, there's scores and scores of these programs. If you did one, no matter how long ago, uh, we wanna work with you. Uh, we we have several events that we do every year. Um, they're called career connection events and they happen throughout the country. They're meant to help people, multi-generational alumni who might be rethinking their career, how to leverage their international experiences um, and how to stay globally connected in whatever, uh, in whatever field they're in. But we also have something called the Citizen Diplomacy Action Fund, which allows alumni to work and give back to their communities on an issue that is of global importance. And even sometimes to partner with international alumni on, on, on projects that, that make a difference. So and one example that we're gonna be celebrating at um, our national meeting in March is a remarkable program um, supporting Afghan women refugees and um, strengthening their skills um, in artisanry. There is uh, a lot of, um, Afghan women have incredible sewing skills. Um, and so how to 
how to fine tune those skills even further and how to boost that into entrepreneurialism. Um, so it's incredible social innovation project. And it was designed by alumni of, um, of a US government sponsored program. So we work really hard to make sure that these alumni know that there are these opportunities to stay globally engaged at the community level. So for all of you who, who are listening, who are who did the Fulbright program, our return Peace Corps volunteers are like the two most popular ones, um, or were engaged in a, uh, a US government sponsored experience going abroad, go to the alumni.state.gov webpage, um, register yourself as an alumni, and you can learn about these opportunities and many others that the State Department offers. Yeah, and just to mention that Citizen Diplomacy Action Fund, um, we actually had Leorian Ricardo as part of that. Um, he was on an earlier podcast episode talking about um, his his program to basically, um, what was it called? Be the superhero of your own story, basically like comic book writing for children in um, in underserved communities. So that was a really fun program. I heard um, about that. And, and and yeah, what's what's really great about that alumni program? It keeps all of these uh, individuals connected with their visits because um, there's some pretty impressive uh, alumni. I think it was Anwar Sadat, uh, president of Egypt, is one example of an IVLP uh, alumni who you know went on to do some pretty incredible things. Oh, there's scores of alumni that have gone on to do incredible things. There's scores of Nobel laureates, heads of state. My favorite news story is that. Uh, the current prime minister of Poland, prime minister Tusk, and seven members of his cabinet are all international visitor leadership program alums. And so wow. it's, it's, it's remarkable. It's, it's really, it's really incredible the impact and, um, that this program has. And so when we, uh, we do these embassy receptions at, as part of our national meeting every year. And when I learned about about this, uh, I called the embassy of Poland and the doors just flung open. Yes, we love this network. We loved our experiences. And, you know, whether we were in Minneapolis, we were in Akron, we were in San Antonio, we were in Sacramento. Like we love, love, love this network. What can we do? How can we host? Um, so it just goes to show you that, uh, that building those relationships can have small, and enormous impact. And what we want to do through the Citizen Diplomacy Action Fund is to continue to nurture and amplify that impact. And so, so please do check it out on our webpage and go to alumni.state.gov. There's also opportunities to be a leader, um, to be a board member, to be, if there's an advisory council member, to give back some of your skills. Um, to, you know, to be, that, that is something that I find is increasingly difficult, is, is really um, building and cultivating boards, you know, to kind of lead these organizations. Um, so there's great, there's plenty of opportunity there. Um, and then I think, you know, one of the easiest ways that you can also give back um, besides volunteering, besides being a professional resource, besides being a board member or a home hospitality host is that you can give money <laughs> and every dollar yeah. matters. Um, especially for some of our smaller members um, that are doing this work on, you know, on a really shocking shoestring budget. Um, donating helps. Um, if you can give anything you can to these organizations, it will make a difference in their ability to keep um, your city open globally. And so I do hope that for everyone listening, you consider that for Global Minnesota. Um, you have an incredible organization that is working in new and innovative ways to connect um, people throughout the state with international affairs. 
and that doesn't come cheap and they need help. So please do consider donating and giving. Um, but we also would love to engage you, you know, in the work itself as well. Yeah. Well, I certainly appreciate that. We are, of course, a member-based organization. And one of those member benefits is actually dinner hosting, as you mentioned. Um, so we we have quite a few people very interested in dinner hosting. That's great. Well, you know who to call. Great. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for joining today and your work to build bridges of global understanding through professional exchanges. It is great to be with you, Nick. Thanks for all that you do. Um, and thanks to your exceptional team. And I can't wait to see you all in a few weeks for our national meeting. That's all the time we have today. Thanks again to Catherine A. Brown for joining and to everyone in the Global Ties Network who bring the world to communities across the country. Thanks as always to all the members of Global Minnesota who make our programs possible. And you can actually meet one of these international visitor leadership groups at the next Global Social on March 27th at 6 p.m., where you'll get to network and get to know over 34 impressive individual visitors from over 30 countries. You can sign up for that at globalminnesota.org. Be sure to check out the website to find more information about upcoming events, learn about our international programs, and sign up for our weekly newsletters. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already, so you can hear untold stories of international connections each month and catch recordings of our public events. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.